0: Good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of Work Human Radio. My name is Mike Wood. I am your host, and we're going to be continuing our Keeping Work Human series, which is our daily chance to connect with the greater community about what's happening in the world uh, through our CHRO, Steve Pemberton. And today, Steve is joined by a very special guest. He's going to be talking to Jen Miller. She is a nurse based out of the New York City area about
1: uh, what is going on in the front lines. Uh, please enjoy this interview with Steve and Jen. Hi, everybody. I'm Steve Pemberton, Chief Human Resources Officer at Work Human. and for the last week or so we have been spending time as part of our video series talking to a lot of HR leaders and influencers on all of the myriad changes that has unfolded in the world of work as a result of COVID-19, uh, but today uh, we're going to do something a bit different. In that, we're going to spend some time talking with someone who is on the front lines uh, of the response uh, to COVID 19. I am joined today uh, by Jen Miller, uh, who is a nurse uh, in New York and is at the forefront of what is unfolding. As we know by now, uh, New York is one of the epicenters in America uh, for. the spread of COVID-19, and we thought it'd be a good idea uh, to spend some time hearing what her life is like, how she's responding, and most importantly, what we can do to help her, her team, and her profession. Welcome, Jen. And uh, before we even begin, I just wanted uh, to share on behalf of all of us here at WorkHuman, uh, just how incredibly grateful we are for all of uh, the extraordinary work that you and no doubt your teams are doing as well. So I know you're really busy and you have a lot going on, uh, so thanks for joining us. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you, Steve, and thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. Well, um, tell us a little bit um, about um, kind of the, the the career that is nursing. What, what uh, walk us through a little bit of your journey uh, to become a nurse.
0: Uh, my journey to become a nurse was a little bit of a roundabout one. I initially thought I was my plans were to go to medical school, and I was about halfway through my bachelor's when I decided I kind of wanted to shift paths and go into nursing instead. Um, so I did four years of undergrad, and then I went to nursing school for two years to get my RN, and then I worked for two years and went back and spent four and a half years uh, in grad school to get my nurse practitioner degree.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah. And and yet, for all of would you would you say that uh, for all of the training um, uh, that you went through uh, to become uh, a nurse, um, w- was there anything in that training that prepared you for what you're dealing with today?
0: No, absolutely not. I mean, this is this pandemic is like something that none of us have ever seen before.
1: And, and I'm sure on on your team, you have uh, people been in. You know the profession for longer than yourself, presumably and and that's their feeling too. absolutely yes going yeah. to walk us through when the when the switch came on and um, you began to realize that this was going to be different. Do you remember the moment uh, where uh, the severity of this uh, really hit you in in, in the hospital?
0: Yeah, you know, I don't think it was really until the beginning of March as we watched what was happening in Italy that we really started to fully grasp that this was going to become a real problem in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is that we were just not prepared.
1: Mm. Um, when you say not prepared, in, in what way? Were you referring to uh, testing, to uh, communications? Where, was, where were the gaps
0: the gaps were were everywhere i mean we we did not have enough test kits. Um, as of right now, it's still taking us four to five days to get our test results back. So even when we are testing these patients, uh, we have to keep them in isolation until we know for sure whether or not they have the coronavirus. Um, you know, I remember working as an RN during the 2014 Ebola outbreak, and we had all of these drills on how to put on and take off our protective gear, and we knew exactly, you know, how we were going to care and transport patients that were suspected of having the Ebola virus, and none of that happened here.
1: Wow. G- give us a, a, a day, G- give us what your day um, is, is like now from like kind of beginning to end. What, what, what's that like for those of us who, you know, to be honest, we're watching this from largely uh, behind our screens and and podiums, but but we're not you know, we're not on the front lines as, as you are, what, what, what's your daylights and not just the activities, but your thought process as you're going through the day.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, that changes pretty much moment to moment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm a critical care nurse practitioner, and my general role um, includes helping to manage the day to day care of the patients in the intensive care units, as well as evaluating patients on the general medical floors and in the emergency department who may need to come to the ICU. Um, and despite everything that's been happening, the day to day routine hasn't really changed. Um, there are sick patients that need to be cared for and it's kind of business as usual. We're just moving a lot faster and dealing with a lot more patients and those patients are a lot sicker. Mm. Mornings usually start out with, you know, coming in, getting an assignment, going through labs, uh, reviewing the events that have happened overnight. Uh, all the patients are then fully assessed and we do rounds in HICU where we go with the nurse and the respiratory therapist. And, uh, you know, we used to have more staff, a dietitian, uh, the pharmacist. But as, you know, the quarantine, you know, continues, those staff members are getting less and less. And so we round and we discuss all the patients' cases. And then the rest of the day is pretty much just spent trying to put out fires.
1: Wow. Are you starting to see the impact on, on, on your colleagues um, uh, professionally and and personally? Yes.
0: I mean, you know, professionally, it's it's been challenging for all of us. I mean, myself, my my challenge is that I've only been working in the critical care setting as a nurse practitioner for a few months. And these patients that we're seeing with COVID-19 are really the sickest of the sick. And many of them are young. Teenagers even and you know, I just wish I had more experience under my belts You know, it's a lot of pressure in an already high-stress situation to care for these patients and you know Even the most seasoned professionals We can all we're all limited to what we can do when we have a limited amount of supplies like personal protective equipment
1: Yes and, and um... Do, do you do you feel the degree um, of urgency yet from a lot of the communications that you see coming from, you know, state, local, federal? What, what is your your feeling about the response? Is it rising to the to the to the urgency? Do you think it will be helpful?
0: Um, you know, I hope so, and you know, I think you know we've been hit particularly hard here in New York. And we're in desperate need of a lot of things, including ventilators. And I know that there's been a push to try to get more to New York. Um, you know, as far as far as the federal response, I'm not I'm not sure what what we're going to end up getting. Mm-hmm. But you know, the need is definitely there, and we are reaching out to not only the government but also the community to try to get uh, the personal protective equipment that we need. Um, as of right now, we're limited to one N95 mask per shift, which we need to put in a paper bag in between uses. And now we're out of disposable gowns. And so we're quickly running out of ways to protect ourselves. And once we get sick, who's going to care for the patients?
1: Yeah. And we, and, um, you know, we, we know that, um, you know, for all of the, you know, we, we can offer up all of the the platitudes and the urgency, but when, when I hear you describe uh, some of the details of drills and equipment and, you know, words, to be candid, seems to me don't much matter. Either you have the personal protective equipment or you don't. Either you have the tests or you don't. It's kind of either you, they're, they're, um, you know, inspiration can come in, in a lot of different ways. In this case, the inspiration is not words, but having what you need to care for those who are in such a critical state. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, how are you doing personally? You know, I mean, you, you, you know, you walk into an environment that, um, you weren't in a technical way trained for this scenario, um, you know, anyway. Um, and I got to imagine that, you know, looking at some really, really severe situations, what are the things that you're doing? Where are your sanctuaries, um, um and how are you balancing those those two things? Are you actually able to get away at all? Um, or is this one a matter of something being with you no matter where you go?
0: It's you know, it's been difficult. Uh, you know, when I start my shift from the time I start my shift into the time I'm in my car on the way home, like my my adrenaline levels and my anxiety levels are sky high. Like you just have to turn yourself on and you have to be on for that entire shift. And there's no time for emotions and there's no time for you know, your own personal needs. You just have to be focused and just be in the moment. Um, I think one of the most challenging things for me during all of this is that we have been trying to communicate with patients' family members who are unable to be with them at the bedside due to the necessary visitor restrictions that we have in place. And it's really heartbreaking to deliver devastating news over the phone when you can really sense that feeling of helplessness of that person on the other end of the line. Like I really can't imagine being in a position of having a loved one in critical condition in the hospital and not being able to be there with them. You know, Family members are calling constantly, begging for updates, and we're so busy just trying to stabilize these patients that we can hardly even come to the phone. And I just, I just can't imagine what they're going through. And so I think about that a lot. And at the end of the day, you know, it is, it is difficult to relax and try to, you know, turn yourself off per se when, you know, you've spent the entire shift bottling up so many emotions and just shoving them aside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have about a 30 minute commute. So I try to take that time in my car to just try and process whatever it is that I'm feeling. And I try not to bring, you know, a lot of baggage home, but it's difficult when, you know, this is all you see on the news and social media. Mm. So I come home, I try to, you know, find something mindless on TV that will make me laugh. Uh, You know, a glass of wine here and there always helps too. And the next day, you just have to pick yourself up, dust yourself off and do it all over again.
1: Yeah, we've been talking on uh, these video series about um, what will come after this. Um uh, you know, uh, we you know the the, the human spirit is um, uh, largely built to endure and, and to fight, uh, and so you know we, we firmly believe that that's what will happen again, you know, um, you know when we say this too shall pass, that's true, but that's also a rather passive thing. you know it it doesn't pass on its own. Right. Uh, it, it, it passes because of individuals you know like yourself, um, who, you know, even in these most devastating uh, of, of moments, are trying to bestow a degree of, um, of dignity uh, upon people as they're struggling with something and in, in, in their families. And I'm just very hopeful that um, out of this will emerge um, a different definition of what it means to be a hero because it's not always the scene and the most visible um uh, and hearing you describe what you're facing on a daily basis is a is a reminder for all of us about that because we are now in this virtual world, but you're not. You're not in a virtual world. You're still in the physical world and um, at a at a critical stage and uh, juncture. Um, you know, and I I know you don't probably have had the time really to reflect on the longer term of, of this yet because the hard truth is is we don't know. You know. Um, uh, but you know there's also this groundswell of of, of support um, that is coming uh, for your profession from all over the world are are you seeing that does that do those messages get to you yeah.
0: And we feel that, and we, we need that, and we appreciate that, and we thank everyone for that. You know, just sometimes you get those little breaks where you can hop on, you know, Facebook or Instagram for two seconds and just to see some of the support that people are sending. You know, I've had people send me money for coffee and just the little gestures and, you know, text messages and saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. You know, I just want you to know that you're in my thoughts. And all of those things are, you know, the little things that keep us going.
1: Yeah. Uh, in, in that same, you know, spirit, um, uh, what are the things that that we can do? Uh, I mean, certainly you have your family and your, you know, your, your hospital family and your family, of course, uh, that's checking in with you. Um, but um, what are the things that the broader public, uh, you know, can do in, in the midst of this desire to help? What are the things that, if anything, that uh, that we might be able to do?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. And I think it's really frustrating for a lot of people because they you feel this need to help, but what can you actually do? You're stuck at home, you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything. And honestly, that's what you can do to help the most is please stay home. Try to stay away from the hospitals, if, unless you are direly ill. And what we really need to flatten the curve. The social isolation is absolutely necessary. And it's not meant to prevent everybody from getting sick. It's just meant to stop everybody from getting sick at the same time so that our resources aren't overwhelmed, so that we have enough staff, we have enough beds, we have enough ventilators to care for these patients that are all very, very, very sick. Mm -hmm. So number one, stay at home. Please isolate yourself. Please, you know, if you have neighbors or friends or parents that are elderly, like try to check in on them, but make sure that they're not leaving the house because they're at high risk. Um, and the other thing that anybody can do to help if, is any if anybody has any personal protective equipment, any masks, disposable gowns, gloves, um, N95 masks, surgical masks, any uh, sanitizer wipes, Purell, and you're willing to donate, please contact your local hospital for instructions on how to do that because we really, really need this stuff in order to stay safe t- to be able to, t- to keep taking care of your loved ones. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that that is a critically important message. Um, you know, you're right. The text messages and you know things that we put on 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 Facebook and and, and Instagram and and all those things matter. But I, I I hear you loud and clear. We should all hear you loud and clear. If you want to show gratitude, stay home. Yes, uh, yes. and and keep um, you know keep physical distance. Um, follow the protocols closely. Like that's the most important thing that that any of us. Can do. It's the best way to say thank you to you and to your profession is by following uh, your advice and counsel. And I'm sure that a, a lot of local hospitals have drop offs for a lot of the supplies, you know, that that are in such desperate need uh, for you um, and, and your team uh, to take care of patients. Um, and we don't know where in this in, in the stage uh, that 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 we actually are. So
0: you just, I can just send out a message saying that you know I'm I'm blessed to work with such a strong team, and it's not just the nurses, the doctors, the independent professionals. It's also, you know, our cleaning staff is huge. Our patient transporters are huge. Um, X-ray technicians. Um, people who come into place pick lines all of these people are so so helpful to us and they also are putting themselves at risk so we appreciate everybody and you know i am blessed to work with such a great team and we all really look out for each other
1: Uh, jen i know that you have a busy day and i want to be cognizant uh, of of what you just described what 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 your day is like but um really is quite an honor actually and i I'm purposefully using that word. It is really an honor uh, to spend some time talking with you, helping us understand what's unfolding on on the front lines, uh, and to remind us of what real heroism looks like. Thanks for all that you're doing, that you'll continue to do. And obviously, we want you to continue to stay uh, safe and healthy and well. Um, The world needs you.
0: Thank you, Steve. We appreciate that. And on behalf of all of us on the front lines, we appreciate your continued support.
1: Thanks for joining us today. And a special uh, thank you uh, to Jen Miller. Uh, I'm still, in all honesty, uh, reflecting on uh, her experiences, her perspective, her calm uh, amidst all that is unfolding uh, around her. And I was particularly struck by, uh, you know, her desire uh, to bestow dignity uh, in the midst of such a difficult situation it wasn't lost on me. I hope it wasn't lost on you, uh, that for those who are dealing uh, with this crisis, that they're not only suddenly tossed with the role of being in uh, critical care, but also a caregiver. And in some cases, um, in an individual's final moments when their family is not there for them, but the nurses uh, in the broader community that is in the hospital uh, is surrounding that person with as much love and as care, uh, should make us all think a little bit more about family and you know, who we call family. A family maybe is not uh, just what you're born into, Uh, maybe family is also who you find along the way. Uh, So for Jen and uh, her family, uh, her both immediate family and her hospital family that she rightly pointed out, it's important for us to remember all of the individuals who are in in the hospital. Uh, We all should take a moment uh, to reflect on the enormous commitment that they're making, the sacrifice that they're undertaking, that they are, that their families are, and that we should also honor what she asked, uh, that if we wanna show gratitude, stay home. Uh, and to the degree that uh, we have anything in the way of supplies and the like, um, that we bring those to our local hospital, obeying, of course, and following all of the protocols. And lastly, you know, our messages, whether it's social media platforms or text messages, the community, the healthcare community does see those they do matter. And so we can take a break from our screens uh, and send a note of gratitude. So thanks again for joining us and uh, for uh, not only this conversation, uh, but for all other conversations that we have had. You can see all of these by visiting workhuman.com. And if, again, if there are any thoughts, perspectives that you'd like to share uh, with me, please do so directly at steve at Thanks again for joining us. Bye now.